want you to imagine with me a really far-fetched scenario, but play along. I want you to picture the time of your birth. Now, if you can remember that, you got a really good memory. But picture the time of your birth, a joyous occasion, I'm sure, when the world was graced with your presence. As it is this morning when we are all graced with your presence. So thank you for being here this morning, <clears throat> gracing us with your presence. But anyway, I want you to really I want to think about the time of your birth. And what if you would have had the opportunity at that moment, here you come into the world screaming, they calm you down, you look at your parents, and you say, no, 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 no. Hold on just a second. Them? <laughs> Wait just a minute. I want to pick somebody else. And think about if you had the opportunity as a newborn baby to select your parents. Now, it's obviously the other way around. You have no control over who your parents are. Now, for some of you, that uh, that's disheartening. For others, you say, well, you know, it's just the way it is, I guess. But what if you would have had the opportunity to, to pick your parents? Now, your parents may be here this morning, so you don't want to say anything, okay? My parents are probably going to listen to this sermon at some point online. They listen to them each and every week, so I'm, I'm not going to say anything. All right, Mom and Dad, you're listening. I'm not going to say anything. But what if you had the opportunity, seriously, to, to select your parents? Would you? Would you select the same parents that God gave you? Some of you would, would say adamantly, no. If you knew my parents, you wouldn't want to meet them. If you knew what I experienced as a child, no way. Some of you would say, well, you know, I, <laughs> jury's still out on that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> Some of you would say, you know what, absolutely. They're not perfect, but absolutely. I, I'd, I'd pick the same parents I had. I, I would have to put myself in that, that last group there. I, I would select the same parents I had. You don't get to pick your, your parents, but you got to deal with them. You don't get to pick the home that you're born into and really the home you're raised in, but you got to deal with it. You don't get to trade them in for an upgrade, <laughs> for a newer version, so to speak, for a cooler version, for a version you'd prefer. You just got to deal with it. Most of the time, those who have that mentality of, you know what, I really would not pick the same parents I had. We, most of the time, we don't deal with that very well. That's just life. It's hard. Some of you came from very difficult childhoods, and you carry that around today. You may be today a senior adult. You may be a person who you say, you know what, that's so far past, it really doesn't matter anymore. But I guarantee you, somewhere under those layers, under the layers that you've piled on so you don't have to deal with all that, there's still somewhere in there a little kid that's hurting. I'm not here to give you a psychology lesson today because I'm not qualified to do that. But I, I guarantee you that there are issues that we all carry around because of the homes we raised in. Some of us today, you say, you know what, I'm the product of my home and I can't deny it. And I don't like it. Some of us would say, I'm repeating the same pattern. Some of us would say, you know what, I'm the product of my home and I thank God for my parents. Either way, wherever you stand on that spectrum, whether you trade your parents in if you had the opportunity, whether the jury's still out and you're still trying to figure that out, you're threatening with that occasionally. Young people, maybe you do that. I'm going to trade you in. They, they're thinking the same thing. Don't worry about it. 
But or or you say, you know what? I'm very thankful, and they're not perfect, but I've never trade them. No matter where you are on that, we all are children. We all have to deal with having parents. Sometimes we don't deal well. Sometimes we do. And this morning, as we close out this series that we've been in on family, looking at the building blocks, what does it take to make a Christian family? We come to the very last building block, one that at first glance we may say, well, that really doesn't apply to me. I mean, he's preaching on children today. Good grief. You know, I'm not a child anymore. What's he going to tell me? I'm 50 years old. What, obey your parents? Is that what he's going to tell me this morning? I know what you're thinking, right? But all of us have something we can learn today about what it is to deal with the family that we've been given, the parents that we were given by God, regardless of whether we like them or not. As we wrap up this series, I think this is one of those building blocks that can be often overlooked because we get to a certain age at some point and we figure, well, all the kids just left to go to worship kids style. What in the world are you going to teach us today about being children? You should have kept them in here. I brought them here so you'd fix them. You know, I, I know you're laughing because some of you did. I understand that. That's all right. They'll get fixed over there. How about that? But in all actuality, I really believe this is a very important building block because you never stop being a child. You never stop having parents. They may move on. They may, they may be dead. But you never stop being the child of your parents. And so this is important to us. And we're going to look this morning at what the Bible has to say about what it means to be a child. And, and I hope that by the time that we, that we leave today, that you may feel just a little bit different about what it means to be a child. Maybe you're the person who wants to trade in your parents and today you'd leave feeling just a little bit different about that, with a different outlook. Maybe you're the person who's on the fence. I'm not sure how I feel about my folks, about my family. I hope today you'll see from a biblical perspective how to honor God in doing what He wants you to do. And, and I hope really that those of you that are already deeply appreciative of the parents that you have, that, that you'll be inspired even more to honor them in a very real way. So what are you going to do about the parents that you have? Those people will do the opposite of what we'll see today in the Scripture, I really believe. So... We need to look at what the Bible has to say. So if you've got your Bible open, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is over in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's not an issue to us. We want you to get familiar with the Bible, and the only way you can do that is to get familiar with the Bible. So you've got one this morning. Open it up. If you don't know where Ephesians is, it starts with an EPH. Look in the table of contents and find the page number and go there. Ephesians chapter 6, let's look together at the first three verses of this particular chapter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Now, last couple, the last couple of weeks we looked at verse 4, and fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. If we are going to develop children who obey and honor their parents, then we have to be those kinds of parents that verse 4 talks about, which we discussed the last couple of weeks. So now we come to the end of this series and the first three verses that we've sort of skipped over up until this point. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may have a long life in the land. Raise your hand if you've ever heard those verses before. If you haven't, just play along. That's fine. All right. I would imagine that if, even if you haven't heard it in this version or 
looked at it on that particular page in your Bible, at some point you have probably come across this particular passage of Scripture. Now, if you were raised in church, then I'm sure at some point, maybe in a children's sermon or Sunday school or something, you were taught this probably about once a month. Obey your parents, you know. If you were raised in a home that, that had some biblical foundations, I'm sure your parents probably brought this out and thumped you with it every once in a while. Look what it says here. I just want you to know. All right, now I've done that to my too, right? So it's okay. Um, but this is an important passage of Scripture that has a lot more to do with who we are, I think, uh, today than, than we even realize. So let's look at some of these different words that Paul writes, and what does the Bible actually say? Well, he uses the word children here, and that simply refers to all of us. He uses the word children, and, and that refers to all of us. Now, the general meaning of the word children is all-inclusive. It means everybody who has parents. That's all of us. We would not be here today if it were not parents, poor parents of, of some kind. This passage also obviously speaks to those who are still living on the support of their parents. Uh, and it really uh, initially focuses on that. When it says children obey your parents, it's really what it's talking about is those, those initially anyway who are still living under the influence and guidance and support of their parents. But then it moves to some general statements, and I really think kind of goes from the specific to the general, talking first about the younger children and then about children in general and as a whole. So there is something for each of us today. There's something for everyone in the instructions that we'll see Paul talking about. Whether you are a, a child who is still living at home, you're still under the influence and on the insurance of your parents, literally, this is for you. Whether you're a person who has grown and you have a family of your own. Maybe you're, you're a senior adult and your family uh, is, is fully grown and you're been, you've been blessed with children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and the whole deal. Whether your parents are still living or not, I really believe that there are some instructions for each one of us today. The first set of instructions come in this particular word, and the word is obey. Well, what a strong, strong word that we don't like to hear. Obey. This refers to action. There is something expected on the part of Paul here when he says, children, obey your parents. He expects some action. Now, this is a direct command, and hear me, if this, if this is you, if you are that person, who is still uh, living in and under the influence of and on the insurance of your parents, this is a direct command from God. This is not a suggestion. This is not a, hey, well, you know what, when you feel like it. This is a direct command from God. Now, before you write me off, I, we'll unpack this just a little bit. We have to start there, though. We have to start with a literal, literal interpretation of what the Scripture says the word obey is a direct command. It is not, hey, listen, if circumstances permit, or if it works out, or if you like the parents you have, then obey. If your parents are really great folks, and if they're Christians, and they bring you to church, and they do all the right things, obey. Paul gives no disclaimers whatsoever. He says, children, obey. I'll tell you, that the Bible over and over, if you read the Bible and, and as a result do not see its counter-cultural nature, then you are not reading the Bible the right way. The Bible is completely counter-cultural. By that I mean that if you look in our society today, the general terminology used regarding children may be something about obedience, but it's not in the form of, of expectation or direct command. Most of the time today, children are unfortunately allowed to do what they want to do. And many of us today 
are living proof of the disastrous results of what that sort of mentality is all about. Unfortunately, today, when children are allowed to do and say and be whatever they want to be, the results are not good. So this is not to be viewed as optional by default. This is a direct command to children, to teenagers, to young people who are still living under the direction and authority of their parents. So the default action from children is obedience. That's what is expected. By default, I mean that if I am the child still living in my parents' home and something is told to me to do or to not do, my default, my, my immediate response should be, okay, should be compliance, should be obedience. Now, if you have grown up in the home of children in the last few years, you know that society does not have, by and large, as its default response to people in authority, the attitude of obedience. It is, in fact, the attitude that something far from obedience, an attitude of questioning. It's an attitude of, prove to me why I should do that. It's an attitude of, give me certain reasons, and then if I deem that to be something that I feel like doing, then eh, I'll consider it. That tends to be the attitude of people uh, in our world today, I would say most likely from generations, uh, including my own and down. That tends to be our mentality. And so this is very countercultural, as I mentioned. So this is not Paul giving uh, reason or, or, or excuse for questioning or arguing or requiring a series of explanations. He's simply saying, here's the way it is. This is what children should do. So what does it mean, then, to obey? Well, that word itself literally means to listen, to pay attention, and then to respond accordingly. To listen, to pay attention, respond accordingly. That, that, that's all packed into that one little word, obey. It means to give attention to, to hear, literally means to hear under, put yourself under the authority of someone else, listen to what they're saying, receive it, understand it, and then respond accordingly. Now, now that's, there's a lot to be packed into that, but obviously when we talk about submission to authority, Paul sort of leads this whole particular passage off that we've been talking about with verse 21 of chapter 5 when he says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And when we looked at different examples of submission, we come to this morning the example of children submitting to their parents, and that is exactly what he's saying. Children will submit to one another, submit to their parents in the fear of Christ by obeying them. Now, when this doesn't happen, major problems occur. Some of you would, would attest to this fact. You know what? I made a, a really, really knucklehead decision, different than what my parents suggested I should do, and I paid the price for that. Some of us would say, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Hey, that's me. <laughs> that's been my life. Let me tell you some stories. Others would say, you know what? I've had some children who I, I really tried to shape and nurture and help them make the right decisions and tell them, look, you don't need to do this. You need to do this instead. And they chose to disobey what I told them to do, and they are now paying the consequences. Our family is dealing with the results of their disobedience. We all have those stories in our family. So disastrous results will occur. John MacArthur, a pastor out in California, a guy that I really like, says it this way, children who are incessantly told that they can do whatever they wish and can have their way will soon mock their parents, teachers, moral standards, the law, and society in general. All human relationships obviously grow out of those children, of those of children rather, with their parents. Children who respect and obey their parents will build a society that is ordered, harmonious, and productive. 
A generation, however, of undiscipled, disobedient children will produce a society that is chaotic and destructive. Look around. Look at our society. What has happened over the last 50, maybe fewer than that, 30 to 50 years? We have raised, and I don't mean this in any way because I include myself in these generations and as a parent who has these tendencies. We have raised a generation of young people, unfortunately, that by default does not immediately obey. And we as a society, we as a church, we as Christians, we as Americans are paying the price for that. Would you not agree that that is true? I think that's probably an accurate statement. And so we have to do something about this because problems will occur. Children are to obey, Paul says, beginning with obedience to parents. Even though you wouldn't pick them, even if you don't like them, even when you don't understand, because the home is practice for the rest of your life. The home is the training ground for the rest of your life. And I'll tell you this, if you're a young person here this morning, let me give you a little bit of news that you're not going to like. God always has, still does now, and always will work through authority. You can ask anybody in here. You can ask the oldest gentleman we have. If he's still married, he'll tell you. God still works through authority because there's my wife right there. But in all seriousness, I hope you understand if you're a young person and you have a major issue with authority in your life, you're going to have major issues your entire life. It's just the way that it is. Take it from a guy you may think now is really old. Oh, goodness, Pastor. But let me tell you, I once thought, you know what, you just graduated from high school and golf college, no authorities. Guess what happens? You don't show up to class, take tests. You find the authority real quick. Guess what happens if you're an athlete on the baseball team at Murray State and you decide, you know what, I don't really want to work too hard today. You lose your spot starting in the infield. That's what happens. Guess what happens when you when you get a job and you decide, you know what, I don't really like the authorities I'm working for. I don't think I'm going to show up today. You're going to find out real quick. Life is full of authorities. That's the way it is. You drive a little too fast past the guy who's hiding over in the woods somewhere with the blue lights on top of his car, and you get mad at him because he's not supposed to even be parked there. That shouldn't even be allowed. And he pulls you over. He <laughs> pulls you over and gives you a ticket. We find out about authorities, don't we? God has always worked through authority. He always has. He does now. And He always will. That's the way that God has set it up. So if you have a problem, let me tell you this, if you have a problem with authority just by default, guess who you really have a problem with? God. And guess who's not going to change? God. So you got some issues with authority. you got issues with God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, the God of this universe who created you. Take your problems to Him and, and, and listen to what he has to say. God will gently but firmly rebuke and correct and let you know that he always will work through authority. Children, by default, are called to obey. Now, let me, let me answer a question maybe that some of us are wondering. Is it ever right not to obey our parents? Is it ever right not to obey? Some of us may be wondering that. Now, hold on just a second. I mean, my, you don't know my folks. I mean, they, you, you know, I'm, I'm the person who would trade them in. And I mean that in all seriousness. There I am. What if you're that person? Is it ever right not to obey? You say, you know, you said you wouldn't trade in your parents. Well, hey, what about me? What is, what is the scenario there? Now, I'll say this in response to that initially. I believe that this situation is rarer than we'd like to admit. If you're a young person here today, 
the situation that would would allow you to not obey your parents is rarer than we probably like to admit. We like to make issues out of lots of different things. Well, I just don't like what they said, so I'm not going to obey that. That's not quite what God lets us off the hook. Now, I'll tell you this. There are situations in which you should not obey your parents. There are situations like that. They're very rare. They're few and far between. But there are situations where you are disallowed from obeying your parents. Obedience to parents is not blind obedience, because obedience to parents must never mean disobedience to Jesus. Never. So if you live in a home where your parents are telling you to do things, instructing you to do things, or even permitting you in some way to do things that are contrary to what the Scripture says, you need to choose, you have the authority of God to choose to obey Jesus rather than your parents. Now that's rare. But in those situations, the Bible makes it clear we must obey God rather than men. Now, those are the only situations, and that's not typically the case. So the the immediate and default action from children should be to obey. The next terminology that Paul uses is, is this statement, in the Lord. Now when he says this, and I put this in a box on your bulletin because I want you to get this. This is the central idea, the most important thing that Paul is talking about. This is the thing on which all three of these verses hang. He says, in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. God commands it. He says, this is right. And because God commands it and it is right, it pleases Him. So, so we see this, that God sets it up this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. This is the reason that children obey their parents, because God commands it. So ultimately, our attention is then directed at our Heavenly Father. We are ultimately accountable to Him for how we operate toward our parents. Obedience to parents, then, young folks, is obedience to God. We must see it that way. And it's not only to parents who deserve it, not only to parents who we say, I wouldn't trade in. This is about children doing their part. This is about children in the family obeying a command from God. Because obedience to parents is obedience to God. He says, this is right. This is the proper course of action, he's saying. This is the way God wants it to be. If you think about it in practical terms, parents have more knowledge, more experience, more wisdom anyway. So it makes sense. It's right to follow and obey what they say. The house, obviously, is a better place to live if children will obey their parents. And problems arise when children choose to do otherwise. When I was a youth pastor, I got a call at about midnight one night. On my cell phone, which I kept next to my bed, and told the, the students in my youth group, if you get into a bind and you can't call anybody else and you need somebody to help you, you call me. No problem. No questions asked. If you're, if, if, if you're down and out somewhere, if you make some serious mistakes, I told them even these terms, if you get drunk somewhere and need somebody to drive you home, you call me. We're going to call midnight one The only call I've ever gotten like that. Young man calls me, solid young man. Seemingly very, very on, uh, on point with what Jesus wanted to do in his life. He calls me up. He said, can you come get me? I said, yeah, where are you? He said, I'm at Walmart. I'm at Walmart at midnight, you know, it's short lines, I guess. You know, you go, I don't know. He calls me, and so I go to Walmart, and, and I, I get there, and I talk with him, and, and he says, I just ran away from home. He's a 14-year-old kid. And his home's not very far, so going to Walmart didn't take him much time. He snuck out his window and, and ran away. 
and he calls me, you know. So here I am, and, and, and I, I immediately, I, I begin to understand the picture. I, I said, well, what in the world's going on? Why are you doing that? Well, he starts telling me all these things about his parents and what they're doing and what they're not doing and all the unreasonable expectations that he has on his life and so on and so forth. And, and really what it came down to was this young man did not see that it was right for him to submit to the authority of his parents simply because, not that they were ungodly, he just didn't like what they were telling him to do. So the first thing I told him to do was call his dad. And I handed him my cell phone, and I said, you call your dad right now. His dad pulls into the parking lot. Here comes screeching tires, you know, all this. Doesn't say a word to me. Looks at his son and says, get in the van. I mean, he was, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I need to follow him home. You know, this is going to be, you know. But a case in point, there simply, of when we forget what God has set up is right. When we forget that what God says is the right order of things, problems occur. The relationship with parents cannot be right if children will not obey. As much as I love young people, and trust me, I do. I love my opportunity to be a youth pastor for five years. I love the young people in this church. I love the young people in our school systems. Absolutely. But I'll tell you this, in all truth and all love, many of the problems in your home may result from your lack of obedience. They may result. Not always. Not in every situation. And I'm not putting all the blame or all the responsibility on you. Don't take it that way. But they may result from your lack of obedience. Because the relationship with parents will never be right if children will not obey. Now, that's not the advice you're going to hear on TV. That's not the advice you're going to hear from the world. It's not the advice you're going to hear from your friends. It's not the advice society is going to give you. They'll tell you be independent. Be your own person. Do your own thing. Think your own thoughts. And you do whatever you want to do. And if your parents are okay with it, fine. If not, you just got to grow up and be your own person. That's the advice you give. They won't tell you that disobedience leads to poor decisions. They won't tell you that disobedience leads to disastrous consequences or the disintegration of family and society. They won't tell you that. But what I am praying for is a generation of young people that will look at the Scripture, see what God has commanded, and conform their lives to match what God says to do. You want to find a generation that will absolutely set the world on fire for Jesus Christ. That's where it's going to start. And young people, if you want to be the kind of person that pleases God, that has an impact in society, that sees God use you in amazing ways, you be a person that you see the Scripture, you understand it, and you conform your life to it. And I guarantee you, I don't give many guarantees in the pulpit, I guarantee you that you will see incredible results. That you'll see your problems diminish, they won't go away but you'll see them diminish. You'll see your life be much more in line with what God wants you to do, and you will see a generation that will absolutely set the world on fire. God commands it. It is right. It pleases Him. God is always pleased with our obedience. He says they're in the Lord. And then He leads into this. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. And then He goes back to Exodus chapter 20 when we see the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may have a long life in the land. He talks about honoring, which is about our attitude. Obey is about our action. Honor is about our attitude. This is about showing respect and love and kindness and courtesy. It literally means to place a high value on someone or something, to honor them. 
to hold them in high esteem, and then to respond according to that high value we have placed on them. Now, obviously, what this means will, uh, in practical terms anyway, depend upon the age of the child. The child is younger, still living in the home, still under the financial influence and so on of the parents. And then a a younger child will honor his or her parents by obeying, by not complaining, by refusing to have a rebellious or smart-alike attitude. Those are ways you can honor your parents. Older children, those not no longer living in a home, those that may be out on their own and so on, will honor their parents by seeking to bring them some of that honor in, a, in the way we live, in the decisions we make, by spending time with them, by making contact with them, by refusing to speak poorly of them no matter what they've done, by learning from their wisdom, by forgiving them if need be, by speaking to them with a loving tone, by helping to care for them as they age. Those are hard things to do. Those are very difficult things to attempt. But that's what honoring our parents, no matter how old they are or how old we are, is all about. And this is a responsibility, I really believe, that never ends. I really believe this is a commandment that extends past the life of our parents to even when they're gone. How will you, as a person who's maybe lost your parents, still honor them? How can you fulfill this commandment and receive the blessing of God by doing this? Well, you refuse to speak poorly of them. You make decisions based upon the wisdom they gave you. I had the opportunity to do a funeral this week of a World War II veteran. And one of the things I told the family at the very end, after we looked at the life lessons that this gentleman had, had taught over 85 years of life, I said, you know, it does no good to sit and reminisce and smile and all of that if we don't leave from here and honor this man by the way that we live, by applying these lessons in life. If you're a child of a parent who is older, of a parent who's already gone, you may honor them by living your life in such a way and making decisions in such a way that they would be pleased with. Now, obviously, the less integrity a parent has, the more difficult honoring them is. You may say, well, listen, you're talking in some really ideal terms. I haven't spoken to my parents in years. The things they said to me, no one should say to an animal. The way they treated me, no one should do to their worst enemy. What in the world am I supposed to do? You may say, well, you know what? I, I don't really think my parents care much for me. I mean, what, what, what good is it going to do me to honor them in some way? My parents are gone, and you know what? I faced abuse when I was a child, and I don't want to even think about my dad. What are you supposed to do then? It's really easy when your parents are good folks. <laughs> it's really easy when your parents are godly and loving to honor them, respect them, and appreciate them, go by and visit them, make a phone call, speak highly of them. It's really easy to do that. What about the other side of things? Let me tell you this. It may be. It may be reduced, honoring may be reduced to the very minimum of simply honoring the office of parent. And you build from there. It may be that you say, you know what? (laughs) That person, don't much care for them, but I respect the office that they held in my life. And I will simply honor the office of parent. And from there, I'll begin to ask the Lord to give me grace to forgive. To give me the strength to not speak poorly of them anymore. To give me the strength to make a phone call, even though I know how it's going to end. To give me the grace to just go by and visit, or to drop a note. Or to help take care of them as they age, even if I'd rather not. God will give you the grace to do that. He will. 
That's the kind of God He is. It's the kind of God we serve. And so honor at times may be reduced to just focusing on the office of parent. But I challenge you with this. Honor your parents no matter how old you are or they are to the fullest extent possible. Don't make excuses if you can help it. Live in the power of God's strength and do all you can to honor them. The result then is this. Paul writes that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. The result is blessing. The result is blessing. There's a promise attached here that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life. Now this was originally a promise given to the Israelites, but it still applies to us today. Now we'll say this, it doesn't mean that anyone who has died young did not honor his or her parents. That's not what it's talking about. If you look at someone and and they, they die an early death in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, wherever it may be that you consider a young death, I'll leave it at that, you, you cannot look at them, obviously, and say, well, I guess they didn't honor their parents, and God just took them out. I think that's unfair. I think that's a manipulation of the Scripture. But I will say this. The principle, instead, is that those who obey their parents in the Lord will escape a good deal of sin and danger, and they will avoid things that will ruin or cut short their lives. Some of us know folks who made some really, really poor decisions, and because of their disobedience, those decisions led literally to their death. The decisions they made led to their death. We know others who maybe weren't, weren't killed as a result of their bad decisions, but their lives are in ruins because they refuse to make the right kind of decisions. They've refused to submit themselves to the authority of their parents, the authority of the church, the authority of Scripture. And as a result, their lives are in ruins. We know those kinds of folks. But there's a promise attached to this. It highlights that even though sin and disobedience always steals from us, always ruins us, obedience always enriches us, always lifts us and builds us up. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll never have a problem if you obey and honor your parents, if you submit to the authorities in your life. It doesn't mean that all of life is going to be great and it's all over, and hey, listen, if I'll just do that, I'll never have another problem. But I guarantee you this, it will reduce the amount of problems you have. It'll reduce the amount of problems you create <laughs> if you'll honor and obey your parents and other authorities. Because obedience brings blessing and stability, quality of life. It allows you to live the full measure of God's days that He intends for you. It develops self-discipline and trustworthiness. If you find me a person who's trustworthy, and nine times out of ten, that'll be a person who honors and respects and obeys his parents and other authorities. They're trustworthy. They'll get the job done. God always works through authority, as I mentioned, and He always blesses obedience. So what do we do? What's the one thing we can remember today? I really believe that we go back to that statement, in the Lord, and we find this, that a child's relationship to parents is determined by the child's relationship to God. The child's relationship to parents is determined by the child's relationship to God. Now, again, you go back to the children, that's all of us. Every single one of us, we're never off the hook on this. The child's relationship to parents is determined by the child's relationship to God. He says, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. So it's really a spiritual issue for us today. It's not just a relational issue, it's a spiritual issue. If your relationship with God is right, then it will improve your view of and quite likely your response to and relationship with your parents. Odds are, many of the relationship problems that you and I face result from someone in that relationship not being obedient to God. 
You think of the problems you have right now. You think of the problems in your marriage, the problems with your children, the problems with your grandchildren, the problems with friends, whatever it may be. Relational problems always, always stem from spiritual problems. Someone not being obedient to God. It's not a guilt trip today. It's simply we have to identify that because if we don't address the problem at its core, then we'll never address the problem on the outside. So younger children, the command is to obey and to honor. And in very rare circumstances, there are allowances for not doing that, obviously. But the command is to obey and honor. And if not, hear me on this before we close. If not, if you are a younger person living in your parents' home under their influence, eating all their food, if you choose not to obey, if you choose not to honor, you are in direct disobedience to the Scripture. Direct disobedience to God Himself. It runs deeper than your relationship with your folks. Older children, it is our responsibility to honor our parents. No matter how old we get, no matter how old they are, no matter if they're passed into eternity. And if not, then we are directly disobeying what the Scripture has said. We are living in disobedience, if not. You didn't choose your parents. God did. Your relationship with them is really about your relationship with God. And that's where we really all must start, obviously. Because this life of obedience, this life of honoring parents, is truly impossible apart from Jesus Christ. Try all you want, and you'll run out of steam on your own strength. It is impossible to live in this relationship of obedience and honoring without a relationship with Jesus Christ, because He alone is the one who can change us on the inside and make us and enable us to be people who will obey and honor regardless of the circumstances. Only He can do that. This sermon won't do that for you if you don't have Jesus on the inside of you. I promise you that. But if you do, He can and He will enable you to obey, to honor, to forgive, to love. And that's where we all must start. Because our greatest need today is not to get along better with our parents. Not to get along better with our kids. Our greatest need today is to come to Jesus Christ in faith. To believe that He is the Son of God and to receive His grace and forgiveness for our sins. That's our greatest need today. Anything else is like putting a band-aid on a gaping wound. It may cover it up for a minute. But it's going to resurface. It's going to keep bleeding. It's going to keep hemorrhaging. If you don't take care of what's on the inside, the outside stuff will continue to be just the way that it is. So our greatest need today is not to fix things on the outside, but to start on the inside and let Jesus work His way out. So my question in closing is this. What does Jesus need to do on the inside of you today? What does He need to do? What have you heard today from the Scripture What has the Holy Spirit spoken to you and said, you know what? That word was for you. He's talking to you. What what word is it that Jesus has spoken to you today? What does He need to do on the inside of you? Only He can change you on the inside. You can come and talk to me and we'll work through some issues. I can't change you on the inside. Only Jesus can do that. Only a person who's submitted to Jesus Christ can see those changes and see their life turned around. You don't like the direction your life is headed in. 
Only Jesus can change it. I don't mean that in a cliche way. That is a truth from Scripture. Only He can do it. He's also the only one who can heal the hurt that you carry from the past. He stands ready this morning to forgive, to change, to heal, to restore you. We come to the close of a series on family. And we've talked about ourselves as individuals. We've talked about marriages. We've talked about parenting. We've talked now about what it means to be a child. And I would venture to say that whether you've been here for this entire series or you've been here for a few of these messages or this is your very first time at Elm Grove, that there are some issues probably in your life related to family that need to be addressed. That need to be dealt with. That need to be handled, not by me, but hopefully I can help. Not, not just by someone sitting around you, though hopefully they can help. Not through human wisdom and effort and all that, though that may help. But through the direct power and influence of Jesus Christ. Through the application of Scripture in a way maybe that you haven't done so before. And so this morning as we close not only this sermon, but this entire series, I don't want us to miss the opportunity to open ourselves up to what Jesus wants to do on the inside of us today. For some, it's a very first-time commitment to the Lord, recognizing your sin that deservedly so will be punished by God if you have not received this free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Maybe that's where you need to start today. Others say, you know what, I'm not dealing with issues as a child, but I tell you, if I think about it, my marriage is struggling. If I think about it, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm not doing right by my kids. Whatever it may be, some issue in your family this morning that may need to be dealt with, do not leave here today faking it any longer. Don't leave here today with a smile on your face, not having dealt with the real issues that Jesus is dredging up inside of you this morning. I'm not looking to get your life history. I just want you to be made whole. And only Jesus can do that. He can restore your marriage. He can put back the pieces in your family. But only He can do that. So this morning, I'd like to close with an opportunity for you to do one of a couple of things. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and just focus in on what God has said to you. And I'm going to pray for you specifically. But you may need to grab someone else to come and pray with you. Maybe to kneel here at this altar and just say, Lord, I'm going to open myself up to you today. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's going to think what. But I need your help. And I'm not going to get up until I have fully surrendered myself to you. If you would, bow your head with me for just a second. And as you consider what the Lord has said to you today, what is it that Jesus needs to do on the inside of you? In the stillness of this moment, would you simply tell Him, do what you need to do. Maybe there's a sin you need to confess. Maybe there's a relationship you need to pray for. I don't know what it is, but whatever Jesus is speaking to you this morning, respond to Him even now in this moment. A prayer of submission. A prayer of permission. Lord, You have Your way in me. Make me whole. Make me different. Change my life. Heal my marriage. Restore my relationship with my children. Bring wholeness to my family. 
help me honor my parents. Lord, give me the strength to obey my parents even when I don't want to. Won't you pray me for me today? There may be those today who are dealing with a very specific issue in your life. Something related to your family and you say, you know what? I'm not looking for you to embarrass me. I don't want you to call me out. I certainly don't want to come to the microphone and tell everybody what's going on, but I'd like for you to pray for me. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a husband, a wife. Maybe you're a grandfather, a grandmother. Maybe you're a child. Wherever you are in the family, and you say, would you just pray for me? Pray for my family. If that's you, I'd love to take the opportunity this morning to acknowledge with you the need that you have. And to spend just a moment praying in general terms for those who have those special needs. If that's you, I'd love to invite you just to lift your eyes as we've done before. Make eye contact with me. You can put your eyes right back down and I'll be happy to pray in general terms for you. Jesus, as we close our time here today, we know you're not done with us. So continue the work that you've started in our hearts. Or don't let us leave here just smiling and glossing over what's really going on. I pray for those, Lord, who have acknowledged some specific needs in their lives. You know exactly what they are. And you know what will fix it. You know the changes that need to be made. You know the grace that needs to be applied. So God, I pray that you would do just that this morning. Help us to surrender to you this morning and take our hands off whatever issue it is and trust you with it. Pray that you bring wholeness and peace and comfort and restoration to those who need it. But I know in a crowd this size, there are marriages that are struggling. There are parents and families that are alienated from one another. There are folks who haven't spoken to family members in years. Or would you bring healing? Would you give us the boldness to repent and to forgive and to simply trust you? And please don't be done with us when this service closes. Work on us this week, Lord. Remind us of your truth and help us to apply it in a very real way. Jesus, thank you that you are the answer. You are the answer in every situation. We trust you this morning. We pray in His name.